Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Invented a game. Yes! Hold on, it's three to one, dude. That took them to the big time. From the director of The Naked Gun and starring the creators of South Park comes a story about their rise to stardom and the forces that drove them apart. Dude, you turned down Kane's off without even talking to us. Dude, I'm not gonna cave in. Dude, well, I guess you've got a point there. Universal Pictures presents Trey Parker. Matt Stone. Guess I'll take my shot now. Yasmeen Bleeth. Here, open your blouse and say ah. Reamer. This summer, experience the passion and the triumph. Basketball. Nothing I've ever been this excited. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. Welcome back, Carrie Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to our longtime listener, longtime guest, number one VL fan in podcast studio, Zerp. Hello, Brian. Podcast night, my favorite night of the whole week. Love podcast night. Get the juices flowing, get the creativity out there to the kids. It's at least one of the top six or seven nights of the week. I put in here, back in podcast studio, hasn't had a haircut in three and a half months or longer. Longer. How long are you going to let it go? Uh, I think I'm going to get a little little trim to just make it look like I've gotten a haircut in Mm -hmm. four months. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to keep it growing out and see what happens down to like your deck. Hopefully. Yeah. Cool. At all. Housekeeping on the VL pod, Gmail vicarious living pod at gmail.com and on the gram vicarious living podcast on Instagram. Get at us for all of our swag situations. Tanks, $20 perfect for summer months. Okay. Zerb. What movie are we doing on this movie breakdown podcast? The 90s comedy classic, Basketball. God, and we honestly, we didn't even have a say in this. No, it was the kids. We we pulsed the kids. We said, you know what? We were staring at two movies that we were looking at. One was a drama. One was a comedy. And we just put it to the kids on Instagram. We said, hey, you kids, you tell us. And by an overwhelming margin of 64 to 36, the kids told us comedy, comedy. So I think it just shows, dude, I feel like we're getting, and we've talked about this, but we're getting so much negativity in the world pushed out to us on a day to day that I feel like the kids were just telling us, Hey, you know what? I don't need you guys. The kids come feeding to, into that. The vicarious living pod for for a lot of things, a lot of advice, and a lot of different things. But I think that they come mostly for the positivity. 
then the nudity on Instagram when we post nude pics of ourselves. Well, obviously. That's and the positivity, that's like you said, 100%. Yeah. I mean, definitely more the positivity than the current events. Right. Yeah. So we are not the people to get into all the serious stuff because quite honestly, on this podcast, we are fucking idiots. Are you sure you don't want to give a official vicarious living statement on anything? No one wants to hear my official statement on anything because no one gives a fuck what I think about that. But you know what I do think they care about? My thoughts on basketball. I know I care. Yes. So we need to get into that. 1998, directed by David Zucker. He's known for uh, mostly stuff that he did in the 80s and 90s. He did Airplane in 1980. Yep. Heard of that? I've heard of that. And Naked Gun, which I believe has Leslie... Nielsen? Nielsen? Is that his name? I believe so. Mr. Magoo? Yeah. That guy? There's a whole bunch of sequels. So. He does a lot of parodies. Um, so this this was actually, it was perfect that he was doing this movie because I feel like this was kind of a parody on sports movies, essentially. Kind of. But In not a like a straight parody of sports movies as much as kind of a parody of sports. Yeah. We'll, we'll, and, and we'll definitely get into that because the whole plot of this movie, which um, actually, let me read that plot right now. So. Two losers from Milwaukee, Coop and Reamer, invent a new game playing basketball using baseball rules. When the game becomes a huge success, they, along with the billionaires, help form the Professional Basketball League where everyone gets the same pay. Professional Basketball League. Good correction. Form the Professional Basketball League where everyone gets the same pay and no team can change cities. Coop and Reamer's team, the Milwaukee Beers, are the only team standing in the way of major rule changes that the owner of the Dallas Felons wants to institute. So, to your point, it's a new sport where essentially they just, the rules are different than what we see happening in all major sports leagues. Yeah, because they, I mean, there's a whole montage at the beginning, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, we'll get to that. Where they're basically laying out why fans aren't into the traditional sports anymore and it's all about you know greedy players and teams and players moving all over the place and you know not caring about the fans and stuff like that and there's like there's something to it it's very late 90s like a lot of stuff in this is but they they do lay the groundwork a little bit for comedy to actually be like all right here's why this is going to happen this is why there's a space for a random fake game to blow up yeah and i think just to touch on what was happening in the sports landscape at that time 96 was when kg got that huge 126 million dollar contract late 90s was just all these like young especially nba yeah high school players coming in and there was no like rookie scale rookie contract so people were getting in hundreds of millions of dollars without ever playing a second in the NBA. And I think this movie was like really tapping into like that along with a whole bunch of other stuff, like free agency, people just changing teams all the time and everything. Um, fun facts about this movie. One, the movie is based on a real life game that director David Zucker created with his friends, literally played in the driveway of his home. Many of the reappearing teammates 
in the movie Basketball, who are like on those other teams, um, are actually friends of Zucker. And he asked them to be in the movie to pay homage to the origins of basketball that he created. That's incredible. And it actually, I in my notes, I had to go to bring up later is I'm kind of shocked in hindsight that this didn't take off as a game people played in their yards, like in their drives. Yeah, it's it's essentially like a combination. It's a better version of horse. Yeah, it's horse with uh, a little bit of 21 mixed in because there's some like tip back rules. Um, yeah. And well, then I obviously mean, with people baseball. Play, people play tip back rules with horse. Oh, really? You never played that? No. Yeah. I'm too busy winning. You can give somebody <laughs> a letter by. We'll, we'll no one that. has the opportunity to tip it back in because I always make my shots. How come you never tip anybody else's <laughs> shots? I don't know. Uh, second one, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Right. Uh, you took way too long to get to this. What? The fact that it's the South Park guys. Oh, this is the lead. Well, this, is, I was, this should have been the first thing we brought. Yeah, up. I mean, I was gonna wait to get into the whole South Park thing in our player breakdown on these guys, but I feel like that's the that's the defining thing when I think it of is, this movie. It is. Yeah. Th- th- this is the South Park guys. We should have mentioned it at the top. You're right. Um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the guys who created South Park, they agreed to do this film under the assumption um, that by the time filming began, their TV show South Park would have already been canceled. <laughs> It wasn't, however, and having been committed to both projects, they had to attend principal photography for the project during the day and then produce South Park at night. Wow. That's incredible for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So this movie came out in 98. South Park started in 97. So they assumed that South Park was essentially going to get renewed. Yeah. It wasn't even going to get a second season. And that's why they had to like do that dual filming. Have you ever seen the six days to air? The, doc, the little like mini documentary about how they make the episodes of South Park. No, it only takes oh. them six days. They, yeah, they make episodes in a week, and it's like a crazy schedule. So it makes them doing it at night, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was different back then. This is when they've been doing it for over a decade, I think, when the documentary was made. But it also again brings up something I was going to bring up later, which is it's so crazy that they haven't done any more movies. Yeah. So they did. Team America in 2004, and then they didn't do a movie, but they did the Book of Mormon, the play. Right. Yeah, they were busy creating but, one of the most successful Broadway plays of all time, which, yeah, there's that. But sure. yeah, no, I agree Like to, to the spirit of your point, which is they mostly just have focused on the show South Park. This came out in 1998, and they haven't yeah. done like a feature movie together since. But I kind of respect that, though, because it's like, hey... We just like figured out what we love and we crush at it. And they get to put, at this point especially, they get to literally say anything and make any joke they want about anything in that show. So it's not like they need a different avenue to like be like, oh, well, we couldn't do this on South Park. They know they, they, they do everything on South Park. And those are actually, you know, going back to the aforementioned, like who wants to hear my thoughts on this fucking teen drama podcast about what's going on in the world? No one. Actually, those guys... Everyone wants to hear what they think. Yeah, yeah. Like, when something happens, you're, like, curious to see, like, what their take on it is. And, like... Because it's going to be genius. It's going to yeah. be actually deep and hilarious at the same time. Right. Yeah, those guys crush. Um, and then the third one, real quick, fun facts about this movie, is that Chris Farley actually turned down the role of Joe Cooper. This movie was originally made for Chris Farley. He also died around this time. 
97 range? Yeah, he definitely was in that range. Um, and then it was subsequently offered to Trey Parker, and then they made it like a dual thing with Matt Stone, too. Rewrote him in to get uh, both of them in it. So how weird it's, would that have been if it was just a one-man movie with Chris Farley, basketball? I assume it would have been David Spade as Squeak. They wouldn't have, they would have kept that character. They wouldn't have like obviously gotten rid of Squeaks because Squeaks is like the, we'll get into, let's not even touch on Squeaks. But yes, I agree with you. David Spade would be the perfect Squeaks. (laughs) The last thing about it having potentially been Chris Farley and then going to Trey Parker is it's crazy that that was the, that was the second move. Because I was shocked when I realized that this wasn't a movie that they like, those two guys created together and that's why they were in it it's not like he was a bankable movie star actor he was he's a writer mm-hmm. so it's, it's shocking that they went from chris farley and then their next offer was trey parker it is totally wild because yeah they they hadn't been in anything all they had on their resume was essentially a year doing the voiceover for cartoon characters. And they did that movie Orgasmo, if you've ever seen it. Yeah, there was that and then like another musical they did prior. It was like a musical on Christmas. Yeah, no, it's it's taking a chance, dude. <laughs> Fucking going out on a limb. It's like because they bring such a unique like weird energy to it. That yeah, it's like for them to not really be famous at the time at, and especially not as actors to just bring that in and go with it crazy and i'm shocked honestly this movie was such a pivotal like movie for me in my youth and like these guys are not just hilarious in cartoons but they are hilarious on screen too completely i don't know why they haven't done a movie since it's it's so weird it's crazy they're so funny to watch like as actors not just because they can write the jokes and even team america was like that yeah but that's still animated that's what i'm saying they weren't in it themselves yeah so they really have not done another movie and then man it's crazy but anyway should we guess some rotten tomatoes before we get into our players yeah this is going to be i was thinking about this last night when i was watching the movie show and i i was like this could completely go either way but i've got a feeling it went like the way it should not have and that the score is low, so I'm going to say 38. That's so funny. I had 36 in my head. So essentially, it's just I'm playing that game where if it's lower than 38, yeah. I'll get it. And if yeah. it's higher, you'll get it. But did, okay, you, did you have kind of the same thought process? Like, I feel like if this movie came out, I don't know, 2008, it would have been, my guess would be like 89. But because they weren't nobody really had the respect for those guys yet. It was probably looked at as just like a stupid comedy. Yeah. And just God comedies are, I, I think honestly, when I'm ranking something on rotten tomatoes and it's a comedy, I just take off 50 points immediately from what my initial guess is just on how much I like because it. Because we're talking about critics. Yeah. So we're just going, okay, well if I thought this movie was like at least in the eighties, um, Take 50 off because it's a fucking comedy and no critics have a sense of humor. All right. I guess 36 is my guess. Yeah. <laughs> like but I, I really do feel like if Trey Parker and Matt Stone made a and acted in a movie, it would get that 50% bump. Well, because right look at Book of Mormon. They did Book exactly. of Mormon and exactly. it was very critically acclaimed yeah. and everyone was like all over it. Yep. So totally. The actual score, though would go to you because it is a rating of 
43%. Yep. Audience has their heads a little out of their ass at 74 but still, I wish it was a little higher with the audience. And I, say, I, I, I still don't totally understand the Rotten Tomatoes algorithm, but I'm assuming that's allowed by audiences over time. So, as opposed to the, all the, probably all the critics' ones are older. Rotten Tomatoes is a aggregate of just thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. So no, I'm saying the audience part. The audience, yeah. same thing. It's 74% on 196,000 reviews. Yeah. So, like, could you and I go on there and give it a thumbs yeah. up right now? And yeah. Yeah. And so that's we'll go I'm into saying. the audience. So, there's been at, over time, as people are just obsessed with South Park and obsessed with Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they've gone in and given it a thumbs up. So, if we would, yeah. if we would have looked at this in 1998, before I'm sure Rotten Tomatoes existed, I bet it would have been closer to. Yeah. Only 51 critic scores making up that 43%. Hmm. It says the we critics don't, we don't cons- need more than 50 critics. Yeah. In the world. Critics consensus basketball isn't just a succession of fouls. Thanks to the comedic zip of David Zucker's direction, but sophomore gags and a lack of performance hustle by Trey Parker and Matt Stone makes this satire a clumsy bunt. <laughs> the, them trying to force a couple douche. of, uh, of baseball douche. puns into their review is actually the clumsy bunt. Yeah. The critics can get fucked. God, critics suck. I don't even know why we honestly look at those scores. These critics are just such fucking pussies. Player breakdown, you ready? Very. Trey Parker. I want to start with him. He goes by Joe Cooper in this movie. Coop. Coop Cooper. Coop Cooper. Um, I want to start with him, though, because I don't know if you have any insider knowledge on South Park or on these this duo, but I just assume Trey Parker is like the lead guy. I think he is. I mean, like he's the one who brings the musical piece yeah, to do with yeah. Mormon and stuff like that. And I think he's like kind of the more like driving force behind it where I, th- I think Matt Stone's more of just like a hilarious dude. Yeah. I mean, I think in any duo you need one, like one guy is going to be a little more type a and one guy's going to be a little more type B that usually makes it a successful duo. I think that, um, Trey Parker's more of the type a guy. Yeah. And to your point, it did say that he, he wrote every song in South Park. Like yep. he writes and composes every yeah, song. Like and I think that's what he like went to school for and stuff. Like composing and stuff. Yeah, I have some interesting facts on that. He went to college somewhere for music and then transferred to a uh, Colorado college his that. freshman year. And that's where he met Matt Stone yeah. and they started their their dynamic duo. Um Oh, another fun fact. Before we get into the tie to Matt Stone, though, fun fact on just Trey Parker specifically, you'll appreciate this as I appreciated this as being multiple members with the same name in your family. Mm -hmm. He is actually a third, and that's why he goes by Trey. Trey, His real name is Randolph Severn Parker the third. 
Randy. <laughs> Randy Marsh. It, it said his dad went by Randy. There you go. Randy that's why, Senior. That's why Stan's dad is Randy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In South Park. I guess that's why, that is why. Met the aforementioned Matt Stone in 1988 at college, who is our second main character on this player breakdown. Um, it said both bonded over, quote, provocative, anti-authoritarian humor and Monty Python, end quotes. Yeah, I, I'm sure that is a just like a very oversimplification kind of of yeah how how they became friends but what jumps out about that is if they met like could you imagine a a worse pairing of people to like be in your classroom if you were a teacher oh no (laughs) i think they probably would have been the hardest people to keep control over ever yeah well and it's funny because (laughs) i was thinking about that too um the first film that they ever did in college i was reading it was titled giant beavers of southern sri lanka and it was a parody of godzilla where it's just like a bunch of beavers doing like rampages all over the city Mm -hmm. and so like yeah if you're a teacher and these two dudes who are probably being a pieces of shit like all day every day and then they create like this as their first film at a film school (laughs) just be like oh my fucking god the the, the only guys. question I have is if it would have been if like that teacher would have known that they were incredibly smart and talented but just fucking around, or if they would just would have hated them completely. I don't know. Like it's eighty eight, so it's not now. Like now, I feel like a lot of teachers would maybe be looking out for like, oh, these guys are they're actually edgy. geniuses. Yeah. yeah, they're they're doing something new and fresh. I feel like in 88, it was probably a lot more of like... They're probably just straight. Their teachers just hated all Yeah, yeah. You guys need to just like fold into the norm and the way we do stuff around here. Fucking, we don't care about your outside of the box filmmaking, you idiots. <laughs> Another thing I just thought was interesting was they're they're clearly big on musicals. It's weird that I like them so much because... Musicals just do, do not do anything for me. Did you see, real quick, The Book of Mormon? I did, yeah, In when it came to Cincinnati. I think it was good, but, like, I think for me, it's just same as you. It's not my jam. So, like, even if it's an A+, it's still, like, not getting above a 6 in my head in terms of entertainment. Yeah, I, I felt pretty much the exact same way, and I, I think it was a combination of just a musical theater is not my thing and it had been built up way oh yeah it was hyped pretty like by the time i saw it like you've been hearing about it for a couple years about how it was the best and funniest play of all time and you're like oh i'm gonna go literally laugh for two hours or whatever and Mm -hmm. it it wasn't quite that it was there were some funny parts but it didn't blow me away here's how i look at it i look at it like Yes, this is probably the best musical I will ever see in my life. Here's the problem, though. I would so much rather sit on my couch and watch reruns of the Jersey Shore, and I would get so much more enjoyment out of that yeah. than seeing the best musical I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, the the absolute ceiling yeah. on musical theater is somewhere around the floor of just whatever you watch when you're sitting on your couch. Correct. Yeah. And I think I'm also just going to go to my grave being like one of the only human beings who never saw Hamilton. 
I still, I mean, I haven't seen it, but then both of us there will. haven't. <laughs> how many chances have we had in Cincinnati at this point? Because I'm not going to travel again for a musical. Oh, I think no. it's coming out on like Disney Plus or something. They made a movie version with the original cast. Don't care. So we'll never see it. I'll watch that. I won't. So you can be the last one. Um. Anyways, back to musicals, though. Why I brought that up was they, this was interesting. They made a musical uh, when they were in college centered around a real 19th century prospector, Alfred Packer, who was accused of cannibalism. And they actually submitted it to Sundance. It got rejected. They went there anyways, like they rented out a hotel conference room. They did showings in that conference room and they made a couple industry connections by doing that for people who were just at Sundance to check out good shit that they were like, okay, we have enough to go to LA. Let's make our dreams happen. We got some connections. Let's fucking do this. They go to LA. I was literally silent laughing over here, just thinking about what their take on a 19th century <laughs> prospector who eats people would be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure it was so ridiculous. But how much does that like just fit exactly what you would think is the movie they made in college that like oh, was their get famous it, it's, movie? It's perfect because I it literally like you could guess for years to just try to come up with any of the terms involved and never come up with it. But as soon as you hear it, you're like, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like how weird would it be if it was like, Oh, uh, the movie they made in college. Uh, it's just a, a, a buddy cop movie. There's a uh, two or, cops. And we're like, it's like, it was a coming of age story about a, a yeah. kid who, and his dad, like reconnecting or something. Yeah. <laughs> it would, you would, you would just be like, what? Trey Parker and Matt Stone made that. But yeah, hearing about a 19th century century cannibal prospector, like like, that they turned into a musical somehow. It's like, okay. Anyways, they didn't get famous. It turns out, dude, when they initially moved to LA, you know, you always hear like, it's all about who you know. Well, when they initially went to LA, though, it wasn't about all who you know, because they spent three years fucking around with all these quote unquote connections, not making like anything out of it until they finally struck gold with comedy central in 1996. Eventually it aired in 1997 with the hit show South park that 23 years later is still on the TV today. Crazy. Do you have any South park thoughts? Because I honestly, it's one of the, it's weird. It's like, Whenever it's on, like it was on earlier when we were just hanging out and we were watching a little bit, and I laugh. But like it's not a show that I'll go seek out. So I haven't really seen that much of it, although I like it. So I would say I love it, but I'm still the same way. And I I don't really know why, because every time I put it on, I'm like, this is hilarious Mm -hmm. and genius. Mm -hmm. But I I definitely, it's not appointment viewing, viewing for me, and I don't even go like seek out and watch like five episodes in a row very often but when i do it's always so good especially Mm -hmm. when it's randy marsh yeah we were talking about uh randy uh, stan's dad who is one of the best characters ever put on screen uh when he's wearing shorts and you see his legs i die every time everything he ever says everything literally everything is the best character yeah so it's I wonder, like, God, besides Simpsons, 
that's that's the only parallel. That's the yeah. Only parallel. yeah, which is crazy. Like to say that South Park is now like in the same sentence as The Simpsons. Well, it's terms only of, what eight, like six or eight year. Six, yeah, it'd be like six years less of a run, right? Oh, I really? Think was, I think was Simpsons was ninety early nineties? Like yeah. Oh, yeah. It's weird, crazy to think about. The, I guess the difference is that Simpsons has been doing it the whole time on main network TV on Fox and South Park's been on cable, but still, I, I, I put it in the same breath as Simpsons. Oh, it's definitely there. It's it's those two and there's no third. I mean, maybe Family Guy. I like Family Guy. But well, it doesn't have 20% of the run time. I, mean, uh, I think it was probably uh, like 2000s, early 2000s. I'm saying, but how long... How many, like how many? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. So those are the two main guys. It's the South Park guys. A um, couple smaller characters that we'll just briefly touch on. I'm going to save the main guy. Hold on. I'll save him for a <laughs> second. I just want to say Yasmin Bleeth. Yup. Smoke Show. Former Baywatch um, actress. And <laughs> <laughs> Leave that pause in there because... That's very fair. I, I, for a second, I thought you were going to say former Bay, Baywatch lifeguard. <laughs> I didn't know what else. Just know this. Yasmin Bleeth was on Baywatch. Uh, she is perfect everywhere. There is not one area of her that isn't perfect. And I'll leave it at that. He's saying physically. Physically. Uh, Jenny McCarthy's in this. We get about 47 different cameos from people like Al Michaels, Bob Costas, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, hold on. Before you go on, and, and Bob Costas and Al Michaels are like legit characters in this. They're not. Just oh, like, I'll get back to them. Yeah. But I, is there any more like 1997, 1998 thing than it being Jenny McCarthy and Yasmin Bleeth? No. It's, no. It, and and could they have done any better in 1997, 1998? The only one I was thinking that like was built for this movie for late 90s that wasn't in it that's like in that trash mold, like not an actual actress kind Correct. of thing. Yeah. Um was Carmen Electra. That was that the, the other option. Yeah, right. that was the only other one because Pamela Anderson was more earlier. She was, I was more say, Carmen Electra may have been kind of too. Because no, no, no. Remember, 97, 98. That's when she, if you saw him. Yeah, yeah she's fucking around with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, but I feel it. like she'd been on the scene for a little bit before she got to Dennis Rodman. I didn't want to put Pamela Anderson in there because no. she was more late 80s, early Plus, 90s. Plus, you can't get double Baywatch. And Never get yeah. double Baywatch. And then I was trying to think of like who the uh, swimsuit, like Sports Illustrated swimsuit models Ooh. were. Yeah, there's probably someone. Um, Maybe would, would Tyra Banks? Tyra Banks. Banks or Heidi Klum would be would be my only like, yeah. only names that jump to mind. Rebecca Romaine, maybe a little later. She was in this. No, fuck. You're right. I was thinking of Victoria Silstead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Playman Play of, of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Rebecca Romaine might have actually. I, I think that makes more sense to me than Tyra. Tyra Banks and Heidi Klum are a little too, as, as much as I hate Tyra Banks, a little too classy. I feel like... Mm. Carmen Electra and Rebecca Romaine Stamos before she got Stamos, mm-hmm. she's actually better suited for this. But still, they 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 landed. There are some other ones that could have been in the conversation, but they actually landed the perfect top two. I'm totally satisfied with getting a Bleeth, a Bleeth, and a McCarthy. Yeah. Totally. The biggest small character in this movie that is small. Uh, emphasis on small. 
I am using absolutely zero hyperbole. Zero. When I say that this guy, Squeak Scolari, Squeak, little bitch, Scolari, is on my Mount Rushmore of funniest movie characters I've ever seen in a feature film. I'm not even joking. And that's what I love about you, is you <laughs> never use hyperbole or joke. But Do you agree with that statement? If you could pick four characters from any comedy ever, Squeak Scolari would be one of the four. <laughs> I will say this. He's number one on the Mount Rushmore of characters played, and this is not just in comedies, in everything, of characters played by an actor that you never, ever see again. Never. He could have died. He might have died. I, I there's I did no check, way. I did knowing. check the IMDb. He's still did, alive. He's still alive. And What's he up to, dude? He's like I don't know. He seems like he's more just kind of in the industry. Like I, I think one of his credits was like makeup. He, I mean, he's done like voices in, on South Park and stuff because obviously he connected with those guys. But yeah, unbelievable. Nice pop. So he he's pretty much in that mold of. Uh, He's like showing up. He's a lunch pail guy, dude. He's showing up. It's like another day, another dollar in the industry. <laughs> Doing makeup one day. Yeah, yeah, fucking you, playing Squeak Scolari the next. You can, you can say that about his career, I guess. But in this movie, he just is throwing fucking heat. Dude. This movie. <laughs> he's in that movie, that Tim Allen movie, Galaxy Quest in 1999. And his, his one character. Of the biggest bombs of all time, right? That movie, it's weird. I bet. I think that movie's really critically highly critically acclaimed and it was a massive flop bust with the people we'll look that up in a second but i just laughed because his character in galaxy quest officially is nervous tech (laughs) (laughs) he is the most nervous like naturally nervous looking person i've ever seen in my life god he's the fucking best anyways galaxy quest um on rotten tomatoes yeah dude 89 percent that movie Critics. should not be 89%. I've never watched it. I've just heard, I saw, heard it was a massive flop. That's all I know about it. Was, it. it, it you got to put yourself in like 99. Everyone was like Tim Allen was coming off of Tool Time. And everyone was like, Tim Allen, he's a fucking man. And he did this movie. And it was just like people went to see it in droves like opening weekend. I think I even saw it opening weekend in theater in 1999 in like the fifth grade. And it was just so... It just it it didn't deliver what everyone th- I think it was just marketed horribly because it didn't deliver what everyone thought it was marketed as a a parody of Star Trek. However, it was actually like a really smart movie that yes, it was making fun of Star Trek, but it was actually like more making fun of like the the tropes. Like not, it wasn't like in your face like scary movie. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it had a really good storyline. It had good yeah. characters and good acting, and it was like. I think that's why critics were like, actually, this movie was good. No one's going to watch it, but it was actually good quality. This may, be a, may have been the least worthwhile tangent we've ever gone on. Yeah. I'll probably cut out like 30 minutes of Galaxy Quest talk, yeah, give that. or take. Yeah. Um, okay, should we actually get into the movie, though, off the characters? Let's do it. We haven't even played a fucking clip yet. Let's play that intro clip setting up everything that this movie is, why they're creating this baseball league, a max a minute of it. Here it is. The ideal of sportsmanship began to take a back seat to excessive celebration. 
The athletes caring less about executing the play than planning the vulgar grandstanding that inevitably followed even the most pedestrian of accomplishments. The games themselves became subordinate to the quest for money. Stadiums and arenas became nothing more than giant billboards to promote commercial products. Players sold their services to the highest bidder, much like the hired guns of the Old West. Soon, it was commonplace for entire teams to change cities in search of greater profits. The Minneapolis Lakers moved to Los Angeles, where there are no lakes. The Oilers moved to Tennessee, where there is no oil. The Jazz moved to Salt Lake City, where they don't allow music. The Oakland Raiders moved to L.A. and then back to Oakland. No one in Los Angeles seemed to notice. As the problems mounted, the fans became less and less interested. It's essentially this. Professional sports, for three reasons, has lost the fan interest across the board. One, excessive celebration. Look, we are fans of the Cincinnati Bengals. One of our favorite players of all time, his whole thing was excessive celebration, Chad Johnson. It made me like him more. So, I think in 98, the excessive celebration thing was definitely, like, happening. And I, I was going to kind of say this at the beginning, and I backed off, but now that we're getting into it, that part, there's definitely a tinge of, like, didn't age well to steal a rewatchables thing. Like it, No. That's not going to get into this movie if it comes out in 2020, because it's clearly got a little bit of a racial tinge. Well, I think what people have since realized is you actually kind of like seeing their personalities come out like you like seeing them celebrate yes you can't go so far like in 1998 when people who are like quote unquote like major air quotes like purists and that's when they didn't like people celebrating or showing up opponents or doing whatever it was was because they were like spoiling the spirit of the game or or whatever And that always, back then, definitely had an edge to it about it was the black players doing it, for sure. I always, again, I, I use it, I like use my barometer as Chad Johnson and how he was celebrating because I loved it so much when he was celebrating to a point. But like at a certain point, it became more of like, it seemed like he was way more focused on like, shit, I got to do like now on this next one, I got to go bigger. I need to like go over to a cheerleader and propose and like do this whole thing when I score a touch. That's when I'm like, all right, dude, love your personality. I love it. But like, let's just keep in mind, 80% of this is you scoring the touchdown. So like, I'm all, so I guess I, I kind of see both sides where I'm like, I want to see the celebrations and I want to see their personalities. Fuck. I'm a fan of Odell Beckham. Clearly, I want to see some stuff. Still crazy to me, yeah. <laughs> but then on the flip side, I go, let's not. I don't want to be the old crusty white dude, but at the same time, I just want to see it not become all about that. So here, here's my take on it. If you're gonna do a prepared thing, like Chad would do, mm-hmm. you have to actually like be funny and creative. Yeah. Like, if you do it and it sucks, you're an idiot. Yeah. But if you do it and it's like original and funny, awesome. Like, how do you feel about him change? Like, when he was changing his name to Ocho Cinco, to me, it was like, what are we even doing here anymore? Like, what? What is it? I don't. What does this even matter? That didn't really bother me, or like, I didn't love it either way. Well, I, I think I, the thing to was me at that point, he was just he was being 
I think it's synced yeah. up with he stopped being good at football at that point too. Like, pretty close <laughs> like, to there. Yeah. Like when he was when he switched to Josinko, he actually stopped scoring touchdowns. So I'm like, all right, guy, like just change your name back or like but keep he, scoring touchdowns when you change but, your name. But here, here's the thing, and this is part of a better way of saying what I was trying to say earlier. Probably is that like there's this conflation of oh he's celebrating and he's doing some look at me stuff, so he must be a like a shitty locker room guy. He must not try hard. Which he was not. Yeah, he was he, not. He, he worked out as hard as anybody. Yeah. He studied film as hard as anybody. He was a great teammate. But he also did this stuff. And yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other. No, I, I agree with you there. It definitely doesn't. You, there's So I have three things that they said is the reason why professional sports was dying. Um, I think of the three, the excessive celebration was the weakest, for sure. Yep. The next two. Number two, teams relocating. Get back to that in a second. Third one was player empowerment slash free agency. So not just teams relocating into different cities, but players just, I actually think that was ahead of its time in 98 because. Oh, that's what I was going to say is the funny thing is that in 1998 compared to where it is now, it's like, come on. I think LeBron blew the lid off everything in 2010 when he left the Cavs, obviously for the heat. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like, we were still 10 years away from player empowerment really becoming like a massive thing. And this movie kind of like got ahead of it and like predicted all of it happening. Yeah. And predicted probably I, if I was looking ahead and said, and someone said, this is what's going to happen. Players are going to move all the time. I would think the reaction would be closer to what they say in the movie versus real life. Like I would not have guessed like, Oh, when that happens, people will just become fans of players and they'll follow them wherever they go. No. I would have been like, oh, no, like that'll piss people off because you're a fan of a team. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, especially, you know, when you come up rooting for LeBron, like there's plenty of people that just root for LeBron. Yeah, it's I guess I can't say you did, you did do it. With I KD. know. I know. Yeah. I was just going to say I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I don't do that because I did that with KG. I was a huge KG fan. So I rooted for the Timberwolves and he went to the Celtics and I became the biggest Celtics fan. I guess there's two sides of it. I come to here's where I come down. I grew up in Cincinnati though. I would never leave yep. that. Yep. You so. get you get if you have a team in your hometown that's your team, you you don't get a free pass just to leave it. And right. then second of all, if there's if there's a guy that's your guy one time, you can I think you can do that. So here's what here's the be to your point. If I grew up in Cleveland and LeBron left Cleveland for fucking Miami in 2010, I'm not following LeBron to the fucking heat. I hate him forever for bouncing on my team. So, but here's, here's the second part though. So like you're, you did it with KG. So you went, you were T wolves. Yeah. yeah, He goes to Celtics. You're Celtics diehard. If you then were like, all right, KG retired now. uh, Now I'm Kevin Durant. And so I'm a thunder diehard. And then now I'm a warriors diehard. (laughs) Now I'm like, you can't keep doing it. No, you, you can like because you're you're still a huge Celtics fan. Like, I yeah, KG, KG went to the Celtics and then you yeah. just, you stayed there. Like that makes sense to me. So I think yeah. kids that come like when they're young and they're big LeBron fan, like it's gonna be hard because he he's moved a few times. So, but once he's gone, if they just pick the next guy, it's like all right, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, I I think for me on the KG thing, it's also like I was ten when I got obsessed with them. What you get obsessed with at the no, that, age of ten—that's what I'm saying about LeBron. Carry, like, yeah. So 10 when LeBron came in, yeah. 
anyways, yeah, I'm with you. But just going back to the teams relocating thing off the players doing it. um, I was just thinking about like, fuck, how bad does it suck that we had an NBA team here in Cincinnati? We had one before we were alive. Long before we were alive. Fucking like Cincinnati Royals NBA team. We had them here. They they then relocated to Kansas City and then Sacramento and are now the the Sacramento Kings. But that team was in our state, and I'm just like so mad because fuck, I would have season tickets and I would be at every single game. Yeah, and when I was watching this whole intro thing, that was the one where I was like, obviously if. Fan bases with like, and you're seeing it with in the NFL right now. Like, the San Diego, or San Diego now oh, LA Chargers yeah. just do not have a fan base. No, <laughs> no. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with like the Las Vegas teams with the Raiders. So it's, and then it's weird to see it on the flip side where you have like Seattle who lost their team and they clearly shouldn't have, and it's yeah. like, oh, their fans are hardcore as fuck and they're never gonna die. So like, we need to now bring a team back to Seattle. Because, like, some of these cities should also, not have su- fucking teams. And the Supersonics needs to be a mascot again. Oh, my God. I literally just... Did I show you that poster I impulse yeah, bought? Yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> just bought a $50 Sean Kemp and uh, Gary Payton Supersonics 1997 poster that I just saw on Etsy. Such a mistake, but... Not a mistake, you know. I've been, I've, been, I told you, I've, I've recently delved into like Poshmark, been really toying around with potentially pulling the trigger on some '90s Orlando Magic, '90s Detroit Pistons, or '90s Vancouver starter Grizzlies jackets, shorts, short. Oh, I, you can find that on eBay too. Like, they're all like fifty dollars plus, though. Yeah, so. I'm like really, really considering the Grizzlies one pretty hard on eBay. Oh my god, they're so sweet. they're unbelievable anyways okay should we back to the movie wait what we're doing a mo- we're talking about a movie so so these two guys they invent this game to to solve all the problems that we just talked about excessive celebration teams relocating too much player empowerment slash free agency they want to create their own game which is like back to the fucking basics and it is a combination of baseball and basketball and where do they create this at Brittany kaiser's birthday party (laughs) so they at this birthday party it's like a kind of reunion a high school reunion where it's like eight years removed from high school they're just still getting fucked up drinking beers hanging out playing nintendo and everyone else at this high school party is like drinking course just like what i'm drinking drinking the banquet beer they're in their third year of med school training for the games (laughs) <laughs> the summer game. Some, some of my favorite <laughs> lines in the whole movie are as they like starting at the front door and then through the party. Everyone that Coop interacts with like kind of puts him down, and then he calls him a cock. Yeah, <laughs> cock beer. Yeah, that's a, that's what they, with her dad at the door. He said, "You guys graduated? Of course we graduated. Cock beer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these guys are just fuck ups. We've had. I've had this. We've had this, I've had this, where you're at a party like post college and like you're with a bunch of your friends who are like crushing it, like, oh man, they're making fifty K out of college. Fuck. <laughs> fifty whole K. God damn it. And like you don't have your first like real job yet. You don't have a career yet. You know, you're just still doing some bullshit. And that's where these guys are, except it's not like 
three months out of college, it's eight years removed and like they haven't moved on with their life yet. So they go in the backyard and they play this game against these dudes. It just starts off. They're standing there drinking their banquet beers. Yeah. Just shooting with one hand, not moving. Talking about how if there's a sport where they could just shoot without moving or playing defense yeah. or passing or dribbling, they'd be awesome at it. Right. And and so they, they these two guys come out and they're like, hey, you guys want to play a game? And they're like, uh, yeah, but not that pussy ass two on two you play in the suburbs. <laughs> it's this new game we we found in the hood, and it's essentially just it's horse with baseball rules. So should we actually get into the rules of basketball? I'd love to hear you break down the rules of basketball because they only barely do. In the movie. it's horse. Except instead of letters, it's outs. So, like in a baseball inning. So you get three outs per inning. Those are essentially your horse letters. You take a shot. If someone misses, that's one out. Well, plus singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. Yeah. So there's different spots you can shoot. So if you shoot from like the free throw line, it's a single. Three point line is a double, et cetera, et cetera, onto like half court is a home run. Um, there's like double plays to where we were talking about if you have a tip in, like you miss the shot and someone tips it in, double play out. There's also bunts, which is like a layup. So you can do a, a layup to it. It doesn't put that guy on base, but it like advances the runners. And you're out. And you're out. Yeah, but you can like get a guy to go from second to third. Yeah, they come up with that later when they're fine tuning. Yeah. I think that's it on the rules. Uh, you're missing one major 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 rule oh the psych out psych outs yeah when you are allowed to play defense which is to say you're when your opponent is shooting you're allowed to um do something to psych them out which i think is probably the biggest flaw in this movie it's it's a massive flaw how they treat the psych outs it's pretty bad yeah it did not so we were talking about like things that didn't age well i think the psych outs the psych outs tough the way people react when they get psyched out, whether or not you're allowed to like physically do like, like spit something in somebody's face. Like that's not a psych out. That's spitting in somebody's face. I actually have a real life story of bringing this to life where I can prove that psych outs do not work in a real life scenario in basketball. So quickly to your point, the way that they showcase it in this movie is that when someone is like quote unquote psyched out, they're like they basically falling. fall over. Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I can't even shoot. Oh, I'm yeah. so psyched out. Oh, and I just throw the ball at the ground. That was unrealistic. How it goes in real life. Yeah, it just made it too too cartoonish. Yeah. Which I get it. It's a movie, so yeah, I suspended my yeah. disbelief. It's fine. But in real life, I go back to freshman year. Elder. Of course you do. Elder V. St. X. Freshman year at Elder. I went St. X. We were down two points in the final like 13 seconds of the game. Final game of the year at Elder. Nick J, my best friend growing up on the west side in grade school, was at the free throw line, played for Elder. I was the one. I was standing right next to him for the rival team, St. X, on the free throw line. And perfect, I was like, time for a psych out. I was like, I got it. This guy was my friend growing up. I'm going to fucking psych him out on the free throw line, make him miss his free throw. So we still have a chance to go down and win the game on the other end. And the only thing I could think of in that moment was to say, sister Carol boobs. 
Sister Carol was like a four foot eleven nun who was our teacher in grade school, who was one of the biggest bitches of all fucking time. She was a mean, mean bitch. And she was a nun. All we used to make fun of her boobs all the time. So this was definitely a direction that you can take a psych out for sure. But it backfired because when I said Sister Carol boobs, it, it like the pressure out of them. Yeah, it deflated the the. Yeah. You took the mag- wrong angle. You yeah, took the wrong angle. Yeah, psychouts I, could definitely work if you walk because this is uh this is didn't Jordan do this to Carl Malone? I don't know. I think maybe. there's a story about that about um Malone being shooting free throws in the finals and and uh, Jordan saying something walking by him and saying something about how it was Sunday and the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday oh, something like that. Maybe, but, but I feel like. If you would have walked by him, and obviously you probably weren't trying to completely burn friendship bridges. No, no, over, I was just trying to game. make him laugh. But if if you would have if you would have gone with some sort of mad jab or told him like so, something about how like I you, did. you know he doesn't have the fucking balls for this moment or something like that, like it could have amplified the pressure. Like to say that because of that, psychouts don't work. That's all I have. <laughs> this, this means that that psych out didn't. Work. I tried. I tried though. I I remember on the second free throw. I tried. Uh, so now the the girl that he's married to, <laughs> he had always had. He was was obsessed with her in grade school, and I just kept saying like, "Sarah's watching. If you fucking miss, dude, your entire life is over. Sarah's never gonna get with you." He hit them both. He hit them both. It's fucking. Clutch, and man. he laughed. Fucking clutch. And he laughed when he did it. So I knew that like all I did was deflate the magnitude of the situation and like maybe yeah, yeah. well I, again I your, pro- your problem was that you went more jokey yeah instead of going and i, I know you know how to talk shit on a basketball court you could have <laughs> talked some shit it was my, my best friend though in grade school i wasn't gonna like i wasn't gonna talk mad shit but um yeah anyways that's the only time i've tried to really psych someone out in like a real moment and it just didn't work so like forever i'm like yeah it doesn't work um so Let's play a clip, though. When they actually win this game, they don't really win because they don't get the checks. And so there's one, this... One of the many lines that I use on a very regular basis. Yeah, this clip. You know, what the hell's up with that? We win, and they get the chicks. That sucks, dude. Dude, I'm telling you, it's jobs. We got to get jobs. Then we get the khakis. Then we get the chicks. Starting tomorrow, we got to stop playing games. First we get the jobs, <laughs> then we get the khakis... <laughs> Then we get the chicks. Yeah, we have said that so many times. I say, I say that anytime I hear anyone talk about jobs or khakis. It Honestly, that is like the truest thing maybe I've ever heard in my life. It's so true. First, you do get the jobs. Then you get the khakis. Once you get the khakis and you already have the jobs, like getting the chicks that, as we is all, a natural byproduct. As we all know, the khakis mean more than the khakis. Yeah, it means your slang life. It means the respectability. It means the money. It means the power. Yes. All the stuff that comes with having just a, a, a nice desk job in an office. Right. <laughs> Nine to five. Nine to five in an office, sitting at a computer all day, every day. But more importantly, what this leads to is that after this, they start creating the game in their own backyard. And when they're doing that, we now get introduced to the main character in this entire fucking movie who works for the gas company, He comes over to shut off their gas and to introduce this guy, this little fucking bitch. We need to do that with the 
Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award of the Week. It's easy to sum it up. We just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? Squeaks, Scalari, little bitch. Again, I have to be clear. Yeah, what, what's going on here? I'm shocked. Yes, he. I needed to get him in the mix on something. And uh, MVP. Uh, yeah, he's. Let Let's just say he's still in consideration for MVP. That's That's your job. So, I won't step on that. But for me, I personally, I don't touch MVP. So I needed to do something to get him in the mix. Again, dude, just because you're Ryan Phillippe doesn't mean you suck. All it means is that you are just doing a whole lot. So I don't mind throwing a Squeak Scolari on the Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award list and just say, like, dude, Squeaks. He's, he's, I know he's, I already know he's going to win this category, and it's not him, though. Okay, so Squeak Scolari is nominee one. I don't care if he doesn't win. I just needed to get him in the mix. Yeah, we need to start talking about him. Um to get him in the mix, I just want to play my favorite Squeak Scolari clip of all time. This is the distillation of Squeak Scolari. Can, can we just do it? Can what? you and I just do the scene? Well, let's you let's play. Do you want to be Squeaks or you want to be the other guys? <laughs> I literally wrote down the entire dialogue. So. Wait, what scene? I'm talking about when he's like 13 or 14 yeah, one time. The okay, whole, the whole thing. So let's play the clip so the kids can get a taste and then see if we can actually recreate it ourselves. Here it is. Well, you can camp out here for a while. Well, this is pretty sweet. Does this couch fold out to a bed? Yeah, totally great bed. But that's Jenkins' bed. Your bed's over here. Dude, that is so fucking weak. How am I supposed to get a chick in that? No, I don't worry, dude. You couldn't get a chick if you had a $100 bill hanging out of your zipper. Yeah, I could. No, dude, you're a little bitch. I am not. I don't even know why I hang out with you guys. Because you're a piece of shit. I am not a piece of shit. Well, yeah, but you're a little bitch. Sure. God damn it, man. I swear you guys rip on me 13 or 14 more times. I'm out of here. Oh, whatever. Dude, I got to show you the scoreboard I'm here. He's going to live with these guys. Yeah. I don't know why. Because he got fired from his job because <laughs> he didn't shut off their, their gas. Yeah, so, so Squeaks is going to live with these two dudes, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, and they're showing him to his room, and he like walks in the room. He's like, oh, is that a pull-out couch? Sweet. But that's not for you. That's for, I don't know who the other guy's name is because he's never in the movie. That's Jenkins' bed. Yeah, that's Jenkins' bed. This is your bed. He points to a literal cardboard <laughs> box on the floor. It's a dog. It's a dog. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a card, it's, a, it's, it's the bottom of a cardboard box, I should say, with a bunch of like dog blankets and dog clothes <laughs> in it. And so, presented with the fact that he's going to be—he's supposed to sleep in a like literal one foot by two foot cardboard box with dog blankets and dog toys. <laughs> Squeaks says, <laughs> "says, uh, dude, how am I supposed to get a fucking chicken there? Dude, this is so fucking weak. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucking weak. How am I supposed to get a chicken there?" And they're like, "Don't worry, dude. You can get a chicken if you had a hundred dollar bill hanging out of your zipper." Yeah, I could. No, dude. You're a little bitch. I'm not a little bitch. 
Because you're a piece of shit. I am not a piece of shit. Yeah, you're a little bitch, though. God damn it, man. I swear to God, you guys rip on me 13 or 14 more times? I'm out of here. <laughs> I have quoted that that line. Every, of, every part of it. Oh, my it's God. so fucking weak. <laughs> How quote, much does get a chicken this? I have quoted that ev- like so many times. Like, God damn. Swear to God, you guys rip on me 13 or 14 more times? Oh, fucking out of here. <laughs> Squeak's just throwing 120 miles an hour. Oh, uh, so he's one. Um, and then, okay, number two, I got to put Ted Denslow on there. Um, he is the original commissioner. He's the guy who meets the dudes. He mm-hmm. takes it from like a backyard game into like a real professional sports league. Um, Ted Denslow, I put him on there though literally 100% due to after he dies in his will reading the I'm too sexy dance. Yeah. He does that whole I'm too sexy dance. And like, for me, that was enough to get the Ryan Phillippe nominee number two. And then number three, Al Michaels, Al Michaels definitely deserves a nod for sure. Al Michaels, but you did not name my winner. Okay. So Al Michaels as a super creepy TV commentator, him and Bob Costas. I love, that Al Michaels was willing to take this angle and be super creepy. Yeah, it was hilarious. So anyway, by the way, he got paid sixty k to like literally be in like two yeah, or three on scenes. Bill Simmons podcast, right? Yeah. Well, I saw that online, but he yeah. did say that he got sixty k to literally just like three scenes be creepy. And I'm gonna play he the does clip. A pretty strong job of do it, like saying a creepy line and then, and then making like a creepy smile mm. kind of face and yeah, mm. a little grunt. So let's play a clip of Al Michaels just so you can get a taste of how creepy he is. And Bob Costas, this has to be one of the most exciting basketball games in recent memory. Hard to believe that just five years ago, this game was played only on driveways. And it's hard to believe just five years ago, those girls were only in grade school. So Al Michaels uh, is number three. Do you have a fourth nominee? Yeah. Who? Baxter Kane, the other, the bad guy owner. He's trying really really hard i've got him coming up in a big way oh so well so just know look if you want to nominate him let's nominate him let's let's lay out who he is he's the owner who wants to change this back to basics league into like a real professional league where there's endorsements teams can change cities all this shit Mm -hmm. that's baxter kane Let's just save the full thing on him because I have a whole thing on him. So, but I'll put him on the list. So you got four guys. Mm-hmm. You've got to pick. You got Squeak Scolari, the little bitch, Ted Denslow, Al Michaels, and Baxter Kane. Four guys. Ryan Philby Practice Year Award. Who's doing the most to you? So I, I feel like yeah, this really comes down to your interpretation of the award. Um, I think that overall. It, I, I would give it to Baxter Kane, but I think if you're talking like PER, like efficiency per minute, it's definitely Denslow. For just like you said, for the dance, and or like the, the weird I'm too sexy thing. And the so I'm fine giving it to Denslow. Um, my intent of putting Squeaks on there, I don't really want Squeaks to win the Ryan Philippi Award. I think he's trying so, the, the perfect amount. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm fine. He's not trying Ted Denslow. Ted Denslow, specifically for that I'm Too Sexy dance that you did after you died, uh, 
you get the Ryan Phillippe Award. Okay, can I zag, though? Yep, zag away. I've got one major nitpick of this movie. I thought the only nitpick was the... Uh, Psych-outs? Psych-outs. No, I've got another oh, one. I like a lot of the premise of this movie. I like taking sports back to basics. Teams can't relocate. I like that. I would still have an NBA team in my city if that were the case. Player empowerment. I'm all for player empowerment, but I'm also like good if they lost a little power, <laughs> like slightly, um, and had like more incentive to stay with their teams. But what I would say, like I really did not understand at all, was the whole everyone gets paid the same on the team because i just kept thinking like why you're saying why that would be a plot point in this movie yeah because i'm like that's not an issue in sports leagues like if the premise of this movie is we're correcting the things that suck about professional sports here's what i don't have an issue with brian scalabrini should not be making the same salary as a lebron james I'm you, cool with yeah. that. So, I'm good with that. This is a, a very good knit to pick. The angle, I, I have the same knit. I would have come at it from the <clears> angle <throat> of this is kind of, I think this is kind of a an issue of maybe not a huge sports fan writing it because what it should have been about was like almost like a salary cap thing about how much of it goes to the players and versus goes to the owners thing. Players get... 70% of the money instead yeah. of like 50-50 split or something. But they were writing this. He was clearly thinking of it more from a perspective of, oh, the overpaid players just don't give a shit about yeah. their teams and teammate and blah, blah, blah. And they, so they only looked at that piece of the money. It's like, oh, the top paid players make way too much money. So that's the problem. It's like, you only think that's the problem if you're not really paying attention. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think it, it that to me reeked of guys writing it who just didn't weren't actually don't sports fans. Yeah, yeah don't know sports because I, I don't think if you know sports you have any issue with these yeah two okay. guys on my team get 60 percent of the entire 15 man salary but, these two yeah. guys only while we're on that point though i think this is a good time to bring this up why the fuck were there other players on the bench yeah, they, they never do anything besides sit on the bench. They, guess, never, they never address it. I guess if there's like an injury or something, they can come but in. There's but there's more than three guys on the bench. I know. Yeah. And I don't, even if there is an injury, like, yeah. Uh, well, first off, what are you going to get injured just shooting a jumper? Yeah. The whole point is that you could have a beer in one hand. It's like getting injured playing cornhole. Yeah. That was one of those where I was okay suspending my disbelief on it. But it made no sense. <laughs> Every time I've ever watched the movie, I've been I've always been trying to figure out what the deal is with the guys on the bench. Yeah, it it makes no sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, a couple plot holes, a couple nitpicks, a couple nitpicks in this movie. And dude, you know what? Maybe this is why the critics gave it. You know, in the forties on the percentage it's scale. Where, that, to me, that's where it goes from a hundred to a ninety-nine. They were probably clocking the same stuff. Yeah. Um, Fast forward five years. So Denslow becomes like the commissioner of the league. They create this sports league and they do it. Like they've got this like back to basic sports league. They do it all. They lose the championship. Ted Denslow dies because he chokes on a hot dog. And now after Denslow dies and they lose the, the Denslow cup, it's like, okay, 
Denslow was the main guy that was keeping this from becoming like a moving forward sports into the, league. Into the things that quote unquote brought all the other sports leagues down. Right. So he's at his will and Denslow, it's like, who's he going to give the team to? And he gives it to fucking Coop. Instead of his young trophy wife played by Jenny McCarthy. Right. And the whole thought is if you gave it to Jenny McCarthy, it would just, she'd do the thing that makes her the most money. Right. Is the idea. And Coop would do the thing that's the best for the integrity of the sport. So Coop is given these like guidelines of you've got a year. You've got one year to turn this shit around. You've got one year to win the Denzel Cup. If you do not win the championship this year, the team will officially revert back to Jenny McCarthy, a.k.a. the entire thing would just be ruined and it would just be another sports league like everything else. And so this leads me to the biggest villain in this movie who is with Jenny McCarthy against Coop on keeping the league, the foundation of the league wholesome and what it was built on is the Dallas felons owner who you threw in the Ryan Phillippe award nominee list. He's getting the MCITW for me on this podcast and the MCITW. That is the Merce Cooper is the worst of the week, and it is brought to you by Wicklowware. W I C K L O W Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your after you get Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off your order. $30 on the baseball tees, $20 on text, $40 on the hood sweatshirts. Get at us. Slide into our DMs with either dick pics or requests for our swag. You will get it on the gram. I give it to the Dallas Felons owner who we already talked about, Baxter Kane, for a couple reasons. He's the biggest obvious villain yeah, I think in this movie. I think that's the actual biggest flaw with giving him the MCITW. It's like That's like giving Darth Vader the MCITW of Star Wars. And I usually don't do that. I usually... Right. That's why, that's why I, I was kind of more throwing him in the Philippi category. So what I did actually... <laughs> I actually wrote down... I gave him the award because he's the most obvious villain. However... I now want to explain my top three reasons why he doesn't suck that bad. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is your, this is a this is gonna be a Ben Jackson take. Yeah. So I gave him the MCITW because he's the villain, but now let me tell you why he is he doesn't suck that bad. Number one, dude, he's a progressive owner. He's just looking to move. He's That's looking, not what progressive means. <laughs> I mean, when I say progressive, I mean He's looking to move the league forward into like new financial money making opportunities. I agree for the league. Yes, you're so right. So I right, call that progressive. The, yeah, the terminology is just wrong. Why? Why is that not progressive? I think of like he's 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 progressing owner, them into the the a, a future. Owner, the connotation normally would be that it's someone who actually is more concerned with the players and and player welfare and things like that so i guess i'm not thinking of it like as a political term of like progressive i'm thinking out of like a progress like moving the league forward let's go with progress let's go with aggressive okay he's an aggressive owner who's trying to make more money for everyone yes that's one he is trying to make more money for anyone everyone i'll give you that not just himself as an owner that's like what your goal is is to make more money yeah (laughs) But again, the flawed premise of this movie that the problem with sport is that the problem with sports is that money's involved at all. Correct. Yeah. It's a so, flawed premise, but it is the premise. Yes. Number two, memorabilia collector, dude. This 
guy. Uh, you got to love that. That's me yeah. in a nutshell. He has his whole office and home are just littered with sports memorabilia. He even has the real life Kareem Abdul-Jabbar encased. Did you catch it? After, after they show him in a trophy case, just like sitting in a chair in a trophy Alive. Case, alive. They show him later on, like literally punching a clock, like yeah. clocking out. Yeah. Like he goes in there, yeah. he punches a clock, sits in yeah. a trophy case, and then at the end of the day, he punches out and leaves. <laughs> yeah. That was really funny. So that I, I, I appreciate him for being a, a sports collector. And then three, and this is another reason why I don't know why I'm giving him the MCITW, is, dude, this guy... He's an acts of service guy. Same as me. Ooh, he, I, he, see, this is a zag. I was I was ready to say this is why he is the MCI team. But <laughs> he, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. So, dude, he gets off on watching his lady do chores around the house. And as a guy who does all the chores around the house in my house, mm-hmm. totally could empathize with like if your significant other is like getting down on her hands and knees and pulling some weeds in the backyard every once in a while. Every once in a while. I'll give you that. All in on like just being totally on board with that. See, I I think the actual best justification for him being the MCITW is that he had Jenny McCarthy there on board with just banging him. And instead, he was just having her do chores. Yeah, so what we're referring to is he like sexually gets off on like he'll say things where you assume like he's talking about having sex with Jenny McCarthy where he'll be like let's lay some carpet yeah let's like I need I need you to um let me say pol- polish he's my like, lobby floor <laughs> he goes like she's like oh polish what can I help with and he goes uh oh well I think my lobby could use a little buffing buffing yeah. And it was the, like, the, the oh, is that one, a BJ? The best one, they actually don't even have him say the line. It's a, at the end when she shows up to the, the Denzel Cup, the final game. She just shows up with a trailer hitch in her hand and the chrome yeah. the chrome has been removed and she's got like silver lipstick. So it's like she has literally sucked the chrome off of the trailer hitch for him. Yeah. So I'm with him on like loving the, the chutzpah. <laughs> Like loving the the enthusiasm, the, will- for, the willingness to help out. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna pitch in. Love that. <laughs> Love the thought of pitching in. Where I probably differ a little bit though is getting like sexually turned on by it. I don't think if I did see my wife outside pulling weeds that I would just be like turned on sexually. I think I would just be like happy that I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways. With all that, the loosest MCITW that we've ever had on this podcast goes to you. Baxter came. We're not sure. Are you a practice hero or are you a villain and you just suck? We don't know. But what we will say is be free and explore. Brought to you by Wicklow where Baxter Kane get fucked. Okay. Baxter Kane drives a wedge in between the two friends. This is where the movie really takes a turn. He's the guy who's like, hey, you guys want to start making money? He gets Matt Stone's character, Reamer, to like really turn away where he just like wants it to always be what it has been historically. I got a clip. We got to get a clip in here of them fighting where we got some of the highest dude count in a scene that I've ever seen in a movie. Here it is. 
that I can't bow down to a guy like Kane. Dude, that's easy for you to say because you got the team. We got jack shit. Even Squeak is pissed off. Oh, hell, I never really minded Shut you. up, bitch. Dude, quit thinking about yourself for a change. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. 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 Well, I guess you've got a point there. Fun fact about that scene. Dude was said 21 times in that scene alone. 98 total times in this movie. High dude count. I, I I would have definitely gone over 100 if you gave me an over under 100 for total dudes. Mm, it would have just been the under. But I, I do want to say to that point, have you ever watched The Wire? No, The Wire. It's That's one... a gap. That's a gap for you. Yeah, you, you need I to know. fill that gap. I know. But there is a scene in The Wire where McNulty and Bunk, they are examining an old murder scene and they do basically the dude thing where they're just communicating by saying dude. They do that with fuck, where they just say fuck in like a bunch of different ways. And it's the only word either of them says in like a six minute scene. Actually, that's pretty cool. It's really cool. Because, yeah, you can definitely do that where you're like, fuck, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, when I was looking at something, I'm like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's awesome. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, you can do a lot of fucks. There's actually a lot of art to that. You could do a whole scene with one word and just how you say that one word. Also, that t- it teaches you a lot about the relationship between Coop and Reamer. That's that's all I need to communicate. Mm-hmm. One word. So, perfect song to showcase like <laughs> this movie really starting to shift into Reamer's like camp with like the um, they're starting to get endorsement deals and money and like all this stuff. Like things are starting to pop off and there's this song that starts playing. I'm a scat man. I'm a scat man. Which is very, very 1998. ask is like i remember that this movie it's funny because we're talking about like how it just struck a very specific music time but i also remember like in my life it struck a very specific just lifetime which oh which yeah it's like For someone of our age it was, it was i mean when you're like seventh eighth grade it's a very specific oh yeah life. so like it's just funny that this movie kind of did the same thing of like me watching it which was like i re- it's one of those movies where i remember where i was like there weren't there weren't dvds there wasn't on demand there there wasn't a blockbuster (laughs) yeah vhs and so i just remember this movie in 98 my aforementioned friend who i was trying to psych out on the basketball court in high school uh we would go over to nick jay's house and he just had this on vhs and we would watch it like every weekend for like a six month stretch of time i definitely did a very similar thing at hauser's which is just wild to think back on, like, how was there a period in time where you would just go over to someone's house for a week and watch the same movie every single week over and over such, again? Such hardcore nostalgia, man. That's why I think I love this movie so much is every clip I saw, it just, like, harkened me back to, like, 
watching this in the fifth grade, fourth grade, and being like, God, I remember exactly where I was when I fucking like You were you were in the fourth grade when you were twelve? Wait, ninety eight, fourth grade. Ninety eight. It's fourth grade. Yeah, dude. Hmm. It is. We that's graduated a, uh, grade school it, in 2002 in the eighth grade. It, that's when it came out in theaters. I guess. Yeah. That's what's throwing me off. Is This was definitely a junior high movie. <sighs> so maybe maybe it, maybe it was like a it's, sixth it's, grade it's, it's, yeah, VHS. It's, it's, it's taking you to like seventh grade. Yeah. And, and, being, yeah. and being like just in the throes of puberty. Oh, dude. This movie is such a puberty movie because yeah. like... Like we were talking about, a lot yeah, of yeah, fucks, Leaf, a lot of dudes, a lot of, yeah. of Jenny McCarthy, yeah, a lot of real important figures. So Reamer sells out officially, yep. and they like go full on like this league becomes what they did not intend it to become. Reamer and the team. There's no camaraderie on the team. Everyone's yeah. doing their own shit. I loved it though because we get a song in the car, which just was. Perfect. You're talking about the the one that obviously is just like a Trey Parker. Singing. Yeah, it's like a Trey Parker <laughs> yeah. South Park song, and shit has gone totally awry. Their friendship is fucked, and their whole team is fucked. And I just loved it because they played this song. Cause you try, but you can't let go. It's when you're down that you gotta get up. Don't let them walk all over your face. Stand up for yourself and make everything right again. Even if some guy's trying to blackmail you and your girlfriend thinks you suck, it's up to you to let them know that it was all just part of some rich guy's evil plan. Look out ahead, there's a truck changing lanes. You got some yellow crumbs on your upper lip. And those warts on your dick aren't gonna go away unless you start using topical cream every day. I just love it because this has happened to me so many times where like, and we talked about this on a Gossip Girl podcast, but like a lot of times when you hear a song, depending on like what you're going through in your life, you'll hear a song you'll and hear, you'll, you'll connect you'll, you'll, it. You'll put your own meaning into it. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, they were making a parody on that. Like he's listening to a song, he hears it. And in the song, they're like, and your best friend's taking a shit on you and he's trying to steal your girl and fuck that guy, Doug Reamer. They were doing it like in a funny way, but I do feel like that happens all the time where I hear a song and no matter what I'm feeling, it's like... Yeah, definitely at the beginning, it was supposed to... Especially if you're watching it in 1998, you wouldn't have noticed right away, but we've heard enough Trey Parker like fake songs through South Park and whatever that you could you could tell right away what it was. But at first, it just sounded like a song where it's like, oh, this like... this kind of this kind of fits my situation (laughs) yeah fits my mood this fills my mood like perfectly and then it just narrates the movie (laughs) so it's always just interesting though when you're listening to music and you'll you'll find a way to connect the dot to whatever you're listening to to like what you're going through in your own fucking life like you'll just be like you know what? I'm sad right now. So I'm going to find a way for that song to be like sad and speak directly to me. And if it doesn't, then I'll just switch to a different song, which does. I think of like also like motivational songs where you're like, you know, I'm ready to fucking do this. I'm do this. You put on a song that's like, get you all jacked up. I feel like they were making like a, a play on that. Oh, for and sure. I appreciated it. They definitely were. Yeah. Um, Squeaks, dude. This is where Squeaks at the end of this movie 
as much praise as we've given him, we have not talked about him enough. We really haven't. So, Squeaks, he realizes, like, what's going on between the two dudes. He's like, this fucking no-go. that We can't have this. Like, these, these two dudes, like, crush. And so, where this, like, all comes to a head is squeaks like points out to the two dudes like how they've gotten all fucked up and stuff while he's dressed in a pineapple costume he's dressed in a full pineapple costume i don't even know like we're at the point where we should probably wrap this up and i don't want to step on your mvp because i know you've probably got one but like i don't know how it could go to anyone but squeaks it has to be squeaks (laughs) it has to be (laughs) so squeaks you get the vl MVP brought to you by Japanese denim. Japanese denim. We all know it's the best denim that you can possibly wear. You get it from Banana Republic. I'm it wearing feels, it right now. Yeah, Zerb's got it on. It's literally 80 degrees outside in the middle of summer. Zerb is wearing Japanese denim around everywhere below his waist. It's all lower body stuff going on with this Japanese denim. And as we say on this podcast, <gasps> Japanese denim, Japanese made, podcaster approved. I don't even want to step on your MVP. Go ahead on why you think it has to go to Squeaks because it has to. Well, yeah. So first of all, going back to what we've already talked about, about Squeaks, he is definitely the best single character ever played, but like one actor having one character and hitting it out of the park. (laughs) Number one all time. Um, You've said that he is on your Mount Rushmore for straight up funniest movie character yeah. <laughs> of all time. Yeah. And he does save, he, he brings the team back together to win the championship he game it. in this movie. He does it. It's the, it's the greatest single character performance. It's one of the greatest comedic performances. Yeah. He brings the team together and he gets the girl. He's the best. I just literally, I, I, I smile and crack up. Every time I think of Squeaks, little bitch, Scolari. Like, this guy, it's that's, that's hard li- to come... That's literally how Bob Costas and Al Michaels <laughs> announce him. Like, his name. Like, it's Joe Coop Cooper, and it's Squeaks, little bitch, Scolari. <laughs> Doug, his Doug name. Dr. Swish Reamer, I think, is the other one. Yeah, his name in the arena, like, on the big, the big, you know, 30-foot-tall, like, Poster cutout of Squeaks. <laughs> Just Squeaks, little bitch. Little bitch. <laughs> and, and when when the, the when Coop and Reamer get in their big fight, they decide they don't need to be best friends anymore. Reamer storms out. He stops at a locker. He, he tells Coop he's not his best friend anymore. He's gonna get a new best friend. He opens up the drawer underneath <laughs> a, a locker and. And the squeaks is just asleep in his drawer, and he pulls him out and said, "says Wake up, bitch! You're my new best friend." What? <laughs> yeah, squeaks, squeaks is the best and great friend, dude. Great, just a great overall friend. Every, I just everybody needs a friend like squeaks. Look, I would also just be totally remiss if I didn't just play one of my favorite clips in this movie, and I don't even think it's little bitch. I think he's getting talked to by Doug Reamer, but it's when he's got to go make like a shot and to like win the game earlier in this movie. This is way back in time. And he's like freaking out. He's getting all nervous. Like, Oh my God, it's all coming down to me. And then there's this clip of like 
Reamer trying to get little bitch like ready to go shoot the shot. Hoops on third with two down, and that brings up Squeak Scolari. Oh, God, the mirror's going to come down to me. I just knew it. Relax, dude. It's not just you. We're a team. And it all comes down to just one man. Oh, God. Listen to me, dude. If I could have one guy out there right now, one guy, it'd be you. Unfortunately, that one man is Squeak Scolari. Oh, shit. Listen, pretend this is just another game. This Denslow Cup is, of course, the biggest game of the season. Oh, Christ. Will you turn that shit off? I'm so scared, man. Like, Listen to me, little bitch. You either go out there and make that shot, or I'm going to shove your head so far up your fucking ass, you have to wear yourself as a hat. And in the dugout, Doug Reamer giving his teammates some last-minute encouragement. Ah! Ah! Now go out there and make that shot! The way it goes from them just, like, calling him a little bitch and stuff in the beginning and a piece of shit to by the end of the movie they literally just call him bitch <laughs> they never say squeaks they just call him bitch it's 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 amazing so i uh, yes he deserves it um has there ever been someone who won the mvp who you also nominated for a philippine yeah it actually happened i want to say um well i love this is a little Pod, little VL podcast. What history. did what did happen on the Ben J pod on Gossip Girl is the MCITW winner that I nominated, which was Serena's old crusty bitch of a grandma, was actually the MVP that Ben nominated. And that was the first time that there was ever like some character in a show we watched won the award for worst character. <laughs> And best character in the same episode. <laughs> Were you on board with Ben's take? I was on board because Ben J loves a fucking villain. That's like his number one favorite kind of character. That's right. why he's obsessed with Dan Scott from One Tree Hill. Of course. That's why I said it was a, it was a Ben J take for you yeah. to, uh, to defend Baxter Kane. I just case. want people to be themselves and on brand when they come on this podcast. So Ben J clearly has... He found himself in this role of like, I'm the guy who loves the old crusty piece of shit white guy <laughs> or, or girl. <laughs> Either way, you have to be really rich and white and old and Ben J is like totally in. And so for him to give the MVP to Serena's grandma, I was like totally in on. Anyways, on this movie, Squeak Scolari, we love you. We're so glad that you got the MVP, but we have gone very long on this podcast and right now... I'm sure those kids are tired and we need to tell those kids, kids, you got to tuck in, you got to sleep tight. We got to wrap this podcast up. And as we wrap this podcast up, we are going to do our sign off. Zerb, help us with that. What do we tell those kids? Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.